Welcome to the Purple Talk Podcast on NBC Sports California, brought to you by Wendy's. I am James Ham. We're doing something different today, something special. Uh, we're doing a video screen here with uh, Scott Pollard. Say hello, Scott. Greetings from Planet Pollard. There we go. And, and Mr. <laughs> Doug Christie. What's going on, Doug? That's, What's that happening, is our, guys? This is our new way of this greeting everyone. Okay, good to see you. <laughs> Jazz hands, jazz hands. All right, so uh, we're all in, not in quarantine, but we're all in lockdown. Um, Scott, how are things going for you in lockdown? How have you been able to handle this? Are you not in as strict a lockdown as we are here in California? Uh, we are in a, a, a lockdown, but our governor has given certain businesses uh, the ability to stay in business, and real estate happens to be one of them as an essential. Uh, we have clients that have decided not to show their homes because their families are living in them. Uh, mm -hmm. But we have clients that are vacant, the, their house is vacant, and so they're saying, yeah, go ahead and show the home. We don't live there, it's fine. Uh, and then there's people that don't wanna go look at houses for the same reason. If there's someone living in it, they don't wanna go look at it. If it's vacant, they'll go take a look. And I bring sanitizers and wipes and everything, and, and anybody that's wanting to go out, I will show them a house. Uh, we've, uh, we've got a couple listings that, again, some people are looking at, some people are not, but. Uh, it's slower for sure, uh, but I but I am able to go out uh, on occasion. Uh, I don't shake hands with anybody, and we all you know just kind of do this. Uh, <laughs> so things are different. Things are slower for real estate, but it's still going on here. Um, and uh, it's just you know no non-essential travel. You don't go out to the grocery store and bring the whole family. One person goes to the grocery store, or try to do curbside if you can, or delivery if you can. Scott, now I know you sell real estate, so I've wanted to ask you this question. Um, when you walk into a house, I mean, you have to make the house feel smaller just because of your size. <laughs> so how do you get past that? Like, you know what I mean? It's like, holy cow, this house looks huge until Scott walked in. And now it's like, man, this bedroom looks way too small. Well, um, that that is definitely true in some houses. Uh, I, I don't know what how to say it other than there's a whole lot of land here in indiana houses are oh, huge yeah, yeah. houses are really big here I, I i have a very small house for my street that i live on and it's 4100 square feet and it's considered small in my neighborhood so the, the houses are big but yeah when there's older houses that are built before like in the 90s or before that and you walk in the doorways are all six to eight which is normal height for the back then mm -hmm. uh, most everyone in this area has gone to seven or eight foot doorways uh, just because that's kind of the style now and they have the room to do it. Uh, but yeah, it, it's kind of funny when I meet some clients for the first time, you know, we'll interact with each other online or by email and then I meet them in play person and they're like, whoa, you weren't lying. You did used to play in the NBA. <laughs> like, well, height doesn't always mean that. But yeah, it's, it's kind of a shock to people sometimes the first time. But, um, you know, when, it, when, when I'm showing older houses, it is kind of funny because you, people catch me ducking through all the doorways or in the in the basement, it's not full height, so I can't stand up in the basement. They're like, you know what? Don't even bother coming down. You can't stand up down here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, Scotty. I um, watching you. You've been successful in pretty much all the stuff that you that you've uh, tried to do in this particular thing with real estate. How, how did you get involved, and are you are you liking what you do? 
uh, actually, my wife and I went, my wife Dawn and I went to real estate school together. We both thought, mm -hmm. you know what, we'll, get, we'll be kind of like those cheesy TV shows, the flip it or whatever. And uh, as, it, as long story short, um, we had to stop going to real estate school together uh, because I got called away to go do the Final Four in 2018 uh, for TNT for Kansas. And so I ended up being the only one that ended up finding time to, that I could go back to school and get, get the, the license. It's three weeks straight. It's a short course, but it's three weeks straight, five days a week, and it's pretty intense. So for both of us to go, it was just too much of a hassle. We couldn't find time for both of us to go at that point. So I got the license, but she still helps out with a lot of stuff uh, mm. that, that is legal for her to help out with. There's certain things she's not able to do because we have to have a license to do it. But um, she's still able to help help people with staging their homes uh, and, and getting homes ready for sale, uh, giving people advice on, hey, you know what? You, when we look at a house, a couple of my clients have said, yeah, yeah, bring her. I would like her opinion on you know, what needs to be done in this house. And she'll go in and say, look, this is gonna cost you about this much because we just built a house ourselves and we've remodeled the house already uh, two houses ago. So she's got the, end, the idea of remodeling and, and how much it's gonna cost and what's gonna make sense to stay within somebody's budget. And I'm more of the, hey, let me go show you some houses and, and let's, I, I like doing the deal. I like the negotiating with the other agents and all that kind of stuff. And Dawn's much better at, at the stuff that she's legally allowed to do, which is basically just give advice on style. Uh, and, and if something is gonna cost a lot of money, it's not worth it for this house, don't do that. Um, yeah. But as far as enjoying it, yeah, I love it. I, I, I like it a whole lot more than I thought I would. Um, and, and the reason I got into it was because it's something that allows me to still have my, my time to be with my family. It's not a regular schedule. I, I, I would die in a nine to five office situation. That's, that's just way too much time. Uh, being, being in an office, being around people, I, I know I could do it, but emotionally I, I would get really dragged uh, really quickly uh, in a nine to five situation. And, and it's funny, we joke about it in, the, in our profession, but you know, you'll send out email reminders all week or text messages, hey, this house popped up or, this house is getting, you know, it's getting a lot of traction. If you're interested, come, come take a look and no response. And then Friday at dinner time, without fail, you'll hear from your client. I want to look at this house like yesterday. Like, oh, you mean the one I've been emailing you about for three weeks straight that's already pending? But um, it's just, it's funny because it, you are working around other people's schedules. It is not nine to five. Uh, but I, I, I deal with that part because sometimes it does work into your evenings and, and dinner time with family. Whereas all day you're sitting there going, oh man, but you know, people are working. So right now it is actually kind of the opposite of that. People aren't working. So more people are thinking, hey, maybe we should go look at a house. Uh, but they're doing a whole lot of virtual shopping uh, to limit exposure. And it, it is, it's been great. You know, Scott, I, I wanted to ask you, because I know Doug, you know, he's dabbled in other things too. But how difficult was a transition to go from, look, I'm an NBA player to, what do I do next? You know, cause I, I can't imagine that that's easy to do. I mean, it would, it won't be easy for me when I transition to not being a writer who, you know, spends 80 hours of my week mulling over Kings news. Well, I, I'm going to give you a real personal answer. I wouldn't be doing this if I hadn't gotten divorced and given most of my money away to my older kid's mother. And that's just a fact of my life. It's one I'm more than happy to divulge, obviously. Uh, so, this is not absolutely necessity, 
but it's to keep me from having to get a real job that I, I know I couldn't stand. Uh, and, and maybe I don't have the ability to get a real job. But having been into, you know, been in a small part in a few movies, small budget movies, I produced one of my own, had a blast doing that. Uh, but I live in the wrong place. If I lived in LA, those kind of things would make sense. It's a lot easier to get a gig in a, in a, in a, a small part in a movie if you can just drive across town. They're not flying me out for 15 minutes of screen time in a movie for an audition for a movie that, that I'm going to get a one day or two day shoot out of. So I live in the wrong place for that. And I learned that. Uh, and and it, again, I don't regret any of the movies I was in. I don't regret making the movie I made. Uh, but I know that I don't live in the right place for that. So I found a, a profession that makes more sense for what I do. And has it been hard? Yeah, at times, you know, there's people um, that, that are like, why are you doing this? You know, you're basically one step away from a used car dealer. And I, I agree with them and joke about it. Yeah, but I, I, it's, not, it's better than working for a living. Uh, and I enjoy it. Um, the, the connotation of, of being a lowly real estate agent, um, I don't think that ever bothered me. Because I, I guess just because my attitude about everything is I've, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. I'm not going to sit there and talk myself out of it. I'm going to talk myself into it. And so far, uh, there's 8,000 agents in our area. And my first year, I set an unrealistic number of, of total sales that I wanted to sell without knowing anything about the market. Mm -hmm. And after my first year, I realized I fell short of that number that I thought I should be able to sell. But then I looked at the average for the 8,000 agents in this market and I tripled it in my first wow. year. So wow. I'm happy with what I've done. I'm still not reaching my goals, especially right now. We're not reaching any goals right now, really. Things are pretty slow, but I am doing well uh, as compared to most real estate agents in this area, and I, and I feel good about that. And so the, the initial shock of, man, I got to go get a job so I don't really have to do something else, <laughs> uh, you know, that, that would be in my skill set. Like, I don't know, maybe I'd have to go get a CDL and be a bus driver or, or, or you know, like I, I don't know what else I could do. Uh, at this point, with my current skill set, I could go back to school and get my master's in education. I've graduated a few short, a few credits shy of a master's in education. Uh, but teaching school at this point in my life, man, I, I have all the respect in the world for teachers. I always have because that's what I was going to do. But I'm so spoiled now. I don't know that I could go back and work the way teachers work and care about kids. And, and, and I'm so glad that my kids are in a great school district on, on all levels. Our kids are, are spoiled by the great quality education they're getting here in public schools. So I appreciate all that. And that's a long answer. I'm going to stop talking. Now. Doug, <laughs> I, I kind of want I want to see uh, Scott Pollard get his, his ass kicked by John Wick. Like, let's get, <laughs> let's get it hey, Listen, um, you know what? I could see Scotty doing so many different things. Scott, so, so tell what other interests, because you, you mentioned uh, TV and, and Hollywood, would, if you weren't doing, if you, if you had your druthers to do what you wanted, meaning you had to do something, what would, what would it be? Would it be Hollywood? Would it, what would it be? Doug, if, if I was single with no kids, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be scared as hell for you is what I'd be. <laughs> <laughs> um, that no but it, i mean the reason i live in indiana is my children this is where i got divorced from my first wife and, and i'm not getting divorced again my wife and i uh, have a death threat on each other's head that's not true it's true 
Um, but we, uh, we're, we're genuinely happy and, and it's both of our second marriage and we've learned a lot in our lives, in our previous lives. And, and now we have realistic expectations of what we want out of marriage and, and it's very simple for us to be married. But yes, let's take that reality away. If Doug, if I was single with no kids, I would absolutely be in LA and I would be, uh, in, instead of Boban getting his ass kicked by uh, John Wick, it would have been me. And, and I would have that's a bigger right. role in these movies because that's how you break in. But that's absolutely, I would, I would love to, you know, I, I joked about it 10 years ago when I was out pitching some TV sh uh, shows to, to some places in LA. Uh, I, I had one script written uh, that still, I think is just an incredible show idea, but it was on the tail end of when Entourage was popular. And uh, I pitched it to HBO and Showtime. And the, the honest truth was my writers were attached to the script, which I didn't really understand. But if they bought the script, they had to hire my writers. And I didn't get that. I didn't know that. I kind of got Hollywood. It's my ignorance yeah. of not knowing how the contract was worded. And so they said, we like the script. We don't want your guys. We have our own group of writers here. Well, not, sure, not, not very long after that, Ballers came out which was basically the exact idea that I had. But they switched to football and got a talented actor named Dwayne Johnson to play the main character instead of this guy. But, um, you know, I, again, I, I put my, my heart into it, whatever I do. And, and I think I could have been successful in Hollywood. But again, now I'm 45 and I'm, and I'm so far removed from that that I don't know that it would ever happen, especially just because, I mean, now I've got a three-year-old. He turns four in a couple of weeks. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm very much committed to now just being suburban dad guy uh, until I die. <laughs> you are listening to the Purple Talk podcast on NBC Sports California. If you haven't already, hop on, give us a rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcast. And now let's get to a word from our sponsor. Big O Tires is open and here to serve you. In accordance with the shelter-in-place mandate, Big O Tires is considered an essential business and most locations remain open. Call your local Big O Tire store for store hours and information. Big O Tires, the team you trust. All right, let's get back to the conversation with Scott Pollard and Doug Christie on the Purple Talk podcast. You know, Scott, <laughs> we talked about this right before we came on. Uh, I'm a huge Survivor fan. And I absolutely love it. Um, number one, you've been watching the current season. Did you watch last night's episode? I did. I just, but it was so disappointing. We actually had a thunderstorm here. We had hail and lightning and everything. And it cut out some of the feed while it was happening. So mm. I watched it on DVR later. And so it kept skipping away to the, like, your trusted news source. You know, I'm getting these weather updates in the middle of and, and thank goodness, because I thought it was a really boring episode, personally. I didn't think yeah. a lot happened. Uh, the only good thing that happened is who got voted out. I don't know if we're doing spoilers or not, but I, I, did, <laughs> I didn't like that guy. I've actually met him in person in Boston. I've hung out with him, and he's a very, very intelligent young man, but he's in his 20s, and a lot of us in our 20s think we're smarter than we are, and there's a lot of hubris involved, and, and he's just in that phase. He, he thinks he's a lot smarter and more... Uh, more personable than he actually yeah. is. Uh, and so I was not unhappy to see him voted out. And, and in a semi-embarrassing way, when he tried to take that thing off the podium, like <laughs> Jeff even Doug like, has no idea what we're talking about, but man, it was good. Yeah, no, I didn't, like, watch oh, it. I didn't watch it last this night. This never happened in the history of Survivor. 
Sure, go ahead, give it a shot. <laughs> give it a shot. Yeah, yeah I love how Worth a shot. like probes let him run with it. <laughs> give it a shot, bro. <laughs> go ahead. Maybe I've got one in my pocket. Why don't you frisk me? No one's ever done that yeah. before. Shoot your shot, bud. Shoot your <laughs> shot. <laughs> uh, Scott, would you do it again? I, I, you know, I think I probably asked you this before, but would you, would you do another season? No. Um, Jeff and I, leading up to the finale of our, so our season, Jeff and I had a little disagreement about um, the edit and, you know, what he, he wanted me to apologize for being a bully on the show, basically. And I said, I'm not going to apologize for your edit, Jeff. You didn't show me running around singing with people. You didn't show me being me. And, and I had some very close friends of mine that watched the season. They said, I'm never watching Survivor again. They didn't show you. They showed this character. I said, yeah. well, that's part of the show. They edited it. And I understood that part. But I said, Jeff, I'm not going to apologize publicly at the finale, the live finale. You want me to apologize for your edit when you didn't show me, you know, being nice to that girl that was so difficult to be nice to and treating her like my daughter and trying to keep her warm during a thunderstorm. You didn't show that part. You just showed her saying what she said and me being snarky about it. This is a game show from, uh, for adults backstabbing each other for a million dollars. And you want me to apologize for that? And I said, I won't do it. And he was like, I'm not telling you what to say. He lost his temper with me. Uh, so wow. I, I don't think I'm ever going to get an invite back. <laughs> but also, I, at this point, I know what it's like being out there. I, physically, I just don't want to deal with that. I've done it. I'm not, I don't regret it. I lost 46 pounds. I went back down to playing weight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> eight days, I lost 46 pounds. I started at 311, went down to 266. Uh, and now I'm back up to 311. Uh, but, um, you know, at this point, I just, I know I'm not willing to put my body through that again. It was fun. And, and that's another reason why I probably wouldn't get invited back. Cause I had a blast. I was laughing the whole time. They had a hard time. I mean, even one of the girls that I didn't get along with particularly well on our season, Debbie, she kept leaning over to me or like at the finale. She was just like, how did they constantly make you look mean? It's so incredible that they edited you to make you look like a jerk. When all you did was sing and tell jokes, I'm like, yeah, it's fine. That's how, that's, that's what it is, but it's fine. You know, Scotty, pe people don't really realize when, when you're in television, obviously my, my wife's on reality TV and some of the cuts that they will take didn't even happen in that scene. Mm -hmm. But if you're dressed similar or you're in a similar situation, they can flip it. And, and all of a sudden the response or the look or the comment fit something different takes it in a total different direction and makes you look like the schnark of the deal absolutely that is absolutely true and it's funny because you have to know what you were wearing yes. or you have to know the situation which the audience does not they, no, have they do no not idea. and even if your outfit is a little bit different on survivor if you're just not wearing a shirt you're not wearing a shirt yep. it could be a completely different week but yeah. all of a sudden that look fits this previous thing. Like, really? And you're like, wait, I said that a week ago or three weeks ago, whatever. You know. Wait, so, I was yeah, 27 it, pounds heavier in that scene. Uh, <laughs> wow. um, but yeah, and so that, that's part of it um, that, that I wouldn't do Survivor again. Now, they did ask me to do Amazing Race um, about a year ago. Uh, they were doing Survivors on it, and it, it already aired. It was on last fall. I yeah, think. yeah. Uh, and Jason and I, from my season, Jason, we were tapped to go, and I made too many demands. <laughs> I, I, said, 
Uh, what, do you want to you know, bathe in Avion water or something? I just, I just said, you know, look, I'm, I just, if, if at all possible, if we happen to be voted out early, could I go home? Or is it still, oh. you're gone the whole time? And yeah. they were like, eh, it's usually that. But I'll contact them and I'll get back to you. And then another thing I said, we, and, and the only reason I did these things is because we were going to be gone for the month of June. And I had two very, very important month, planned months in advance family vacations. One of which is to watch my good daughter play volleyball at the national tournament in Florida. Yeah. And I was like, I really don't want to miss that to go on a reality game show again. Um, <laughs> unless, you know, there's some guarantees put in place. Like, is there any way I can get a little bit up front to let me know that you're that serious? And, and so things that they've never done for anybody else, you know, Doug, it's cutthroat. Yeah, like, it you is. want to be on this at all costs. Or they're just going to be like, we'll go find somebody that does want to be on this at all costs. So no doubt. Rupert and his wife went instead of me and Jason. <laughs> uh, that's right. That's right. Now, Doug, you were also invited to do the Amazing Grace, right? Yeah. You know, I think it was, uh, was it Cliff Robinson? I, I can't remember. Through Scotty, me and Scotty flying to, uh, to China, we, we were talking about this. I had been contacted for, for Survivor and then contacted. I, my schedule just didn't work with, with that stuff. But I don't, I'm going to be honest, I don't know if I could, I could do that because uh, just talking with Scotty and hearing some of the stuff and listen, if I lose 46 pounds, man, I'm just a freaking period. <laughs> you don't have 46 pounds to lose. <laughs> That's exactly you got there right. looking like yeah. Justin James. <laughs> oh, my goodness, man. So, yeah, I, I, I enjoy that stuff. I, I enjoyed hearing um, some of the stories of what he could say during that particular time. And uh, I, I watch from time to time. I, I, I enjoy it. But I don't know, man, because Scott and, – and I, I know Scott. You know Scott, so the stuff that they showed, I'm thinking that's not really Scott, but they they painted it in that in that light, and you know I'm kind of you know could say some stuff. I could come out looking real bad, Scotty. <laughs> See, you guys, you guys suck, man. I would I would do either one of those shows in a heartbeat. Although the Amazing Race, I don't like heights, so I would probably fall apart uh, when they got to heights, but. The rest of it, the only thing I would be worried about it, well, I guess two things. Number one, I can't imagine my back holding up on Survivor. Uh, and number two, I would be sunburned the entire time. Like the entire, <laughs> I would be peeling. Like every episode, they'd be like, man, look at the size of the blister on that dude. Like that is horrible. Uh, so I, I don't think I would actually survive the actual, that part of it just because uh, I, I would get sunburned. I would be torched the hey, entire hey. time. Hey Scotty, uh, out of uh, take taking me out of the equation, out of our teammates, who do you think would uh, fare the best on there? Uh, on Survivor, I would say it's got to be Jason Williams. <laughs> it has to be. Yeah, yeah. it has to be because I can't think of anybody else. I mean, it can't be Vladi because Vladi would just like, oh, challenge, no. I don't, I don't no, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Wait, there's no cigarettes here. <laughs> uh, Peja, no. Peja, no. He's too pretty. No. All the bugs crawling all over. Lawrence, yeah. no, definitely not. Not Lawrence. Uh, there's no box fan and eye mask. I've heard the box. There's not enough food on the island to feed Bobby Jackson nowadays. So. <laughs> uh, no. uh, see, this is good stuff. This is what we're looking for right oh. here. Uh, oh my God. Yeah. No, really Why, quick, Jason? I, I did want to say something. Can I, can I just say one thing about the edit? And, and Doug, to, to yeah. 
piggyback what you were talking about, I, I give speeches on occasion to, to groups about teamwork and this and that, corporations are hiring mm -hmm. for this. And, you know, I talk about that in real life. I talk about, you know, it's about three days of survivor reality to make one episode. So it's about yep. 72 hours to make 40 minutes, 42 minutes of screen time because you've got 18 to 20 minutes of commercials. So for mm -hmm. each episode, it's about three days of life. And in your real life, are you putting your best foot forward? Or are you just kind of living day to day? But when you go into a public situation, are you trying to give yourself that best 40 minute edit of your last three days of your life? Or are you allowing mm -hmm. all of your emotions to show? Because you can be edited as a bonehead, the smartest person, the pretty girl that doesn't want to do anything. You know, you can get edited any way if you take a snapshot of your life, because we all have emotions and good things and bad things we do every day and bad decisions we make or good decisions we make. And so that's to, end, to, to kind of compound what you were saying, Doug, it's, it's really interesting to see when you know what is, the real person is like or when you know what they're, they're like every day of life and then you see yeah. that and you're just like, huh, that's yeah. interesting. And, and if you know, you know, but again, most of the audience doesn't know that the, yep. anybody on reality TV, you are not your edit. Yeah. Good point. You're, you're not your edit. Okay, so why Jason Williams? Because I could see like Jason Williams having some some skills, like you know, like nunchuck skills, bow hunting skills, you know, well, like skills. I mean, with that, without knowing what what Scott's going to say, I, I would first and foremost say Jay will will do anything. So that's part of you know. I mean, he would be he'd be down to do whatever. I've you know, if you're going to ride under a bus in the middle of winter without a shirt on, uh, and I'm talking where the luggage is, okay, you're, you're down to do anything. Well, but why, why would you say Jay will? Uh, for, for that reason, because I know he'd just be like, yeah, sure, whatever, let's go. Yep. <laughs> um, but also just from, from his background, from where he's from, ah, I think good that point. He, that there is a little bit of just knowing stuff that city people do not know. Yeah. And he just knows some stuff and it's like, yeah. And I just think of how his mind works as far as the puzzles. And because he's always doing magic tricks. He was always yeah. getting pranks and, and, and setting people up for stuff. He's so sharp that I think he would figure out puzzles really well when it comes to the challenges. And then also physically in the challenges. I mean, he's a guy yeah. that if you put him on a pole and tell him to hold on for five minutes. He's, he's holding he's on. He's going to do that. <laughs> like, man, shoot, I was hanging up on there like chimpanzee, man. Like, ain't no thing. Ain't no thing. Like, chicken wing. You know, there are just things yeah. that go along. And he'd be incredible television. Yeah, he would. I, I would agree with you wholeheartedly. We need we need to make that one happen. I, I think that that would be that would be good television. All right, Scott, uh, you're wearing your KU sweatshirt there. Um, let's get to a little bit of basketball talk here. Um, what have you seen from Kentucky this year, and are there any prospects that you think could actually help the Kings? You mean well, Kansas? Um, if, Kansas. I, if I was watching Kentucky, I'd be watching one of my kids' uh, programs. I watch Kansas. We actually yeah, I know Kansas. My bad. UK. Not UK. Um, I know I live closer to Kentucky now. Maybe that was you're geographically off, but uh, or know, it's um, backwards. I don't know. This <laughs> Kansas. Uh, yeah. We. I I don't want anybody on this team to leave. I have a weird feeling mm -hmm. that our point guard is going to leave, um, and he is. Uh, he's 
a little bit of a mixture between Frank Mason and Devontae Graham, but he's not ready, I, I don't think. Okay. Because he's not ready, he can't be one of those two guys. And I don't think he's going to be as good as either one of them individually, but he is kind of a good mixture of them, and I think he needs one more year. Um, I, I hate to say it, but Yudoka as a bookie, I, I just don't see him in the NBA. He, he is a guy that would have been a, a, a second-round pick in my era when there were so many dominant big guys, you had to have a big body on your bench. You had to have a dude that could come in and not make a lot of mistakes. But, I mean, this dude can't score outside the key. This guy can't guard anybody outside the key. In this NBA, I just don't know how he has a role in any way, shape, or form. Because, I mean, even Boban, I mean, dude, can, he can stroke. Mm-hmm. Dope can't make anything outside the key. He cannot shoot. He cannot pass. He cannot dribble. And I don't mean that to be insulting to the man. I'm just saying this is big boy basketball now. This is the, the highest league. And yeah. honestly, I just don't see his skill set being anything an NBA team wants on their roster. It's taking up a spot from somebody else that has all of those skills, but maybe just isn't as tall. And he's not even that tall. We're about the same height. He's about 6'10". I'm 6'10 and three quarters barefoot, and I know we're the same height, same name, arm length, uh, because we've we've met and we've shook hands and we've been around each other. I know we're about exactly the same size, so I don't see without his ability to uh, develop new skills, and I don't think he can. I mean, once you're 21 years old and he's been playing basketball for five years now, six years now, you know, Tim Duncan started playing basketball late and developed all of these skills mm-hmm. and made himself a Hall of Fame player. In our height, I just don't see how Udoka is going to translate any of his current gifts into skills that put him in the NBA. You know, Scotty, do you think, as you say that, you know, things are cyclical. Do you see big man post basketball coming back at some time? Is it just going to take a, a real big dominant player, or do you see it kind of continuing to trend the way it is? I, I think you said it. I think it's just if a dominant player comes in and is another Shaquille O'Neal, then, okay. yeah, teams are going to have to gear up for him. But mm-hmm. okay, ain't it. And, and, you know, those guys, those guys are multi-skilled, absolute freaks in, in a good way, like Shaq. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the guys that are coming in, you know, Taco Fall is 7'6", whatever. Well, nobody needs a seven-footer to guard that dude. Not, not at his right. current ability to play. He, he can't run right. that fast. And he's just – he's a kind of a liability on the court. That's why he's not going to play in the NBA very much. Uh, but, you know, jazz, basketball is jazz music. It has always been cyclical, and it always will be. It, it, it just yeah. changes with who the best, most dominant players are. And that's why we've swung into the way it is right now, where you've got guys like LeBron and, and, and their effects – and the Hardens and the Westbrooks are, are making the, the game a more perimeter-oriented game. But, yeah, absolutely. If a big man comes in that can put people in the basket, yeah, the big guys are going to become a more valuable asset and, and to, to stop that guy. If there's a Yao Ming coming out, better get yourself somebody that can stop Yao Ming. You know, Scott, um, I was around Doug when, uh, when Kobe passed. Um, and I, I just want to get your take on – your thoughts. Uh, I mean, we've had a little bit of time here, but I know Doug's a roller coaster of emotion. Like that day we talked when it happened, and then a couple of days later, you, Doug, you had you broke down a little bit on the radio. Uh, we've had lots of conversations, but it hit you in a different way than you thought it would. And Scott, I just yeah. want to, how did it hit you? And 
what what are your thoughts on Kobe? I I didn't guard him very much. We didn't have much interaction on the court. I just didn't like him. And I put him in that category of people that if I had played with him, I would understand very quickly why I didn't like playing against him. I felt the same way about Kevin Garnett. I felt the same way about Reggie Miller. I hated those guys. Hated them. And then I was teammates with them, and I was like, oh, this is why I hate you, because you're a competitor. (laughs) (laughs) And, And so I think that's probably what it is with Kobe that probably what I didn't like about him was that man was a freaking closer. He finished games. He finished every game. And, and that's a tough thing to compete against when he is as gifted as he is. And then on top of that, he works harder than everybody else. I mean, I've played with guys like Doug that work harder than everybody else, but they're not Kobe Bryant. And so having said all that, that was how I felt about him. And then when I heard the news, I was actually driving back from Kansas. I had a, a, a thing in Kansas we were doing. I'm driving back. My phone starts blowing up as I'm driving. I'm going, what's going on? And it's Kobe, 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 Kobe. And so we started, you know, listening. My wife was looking at the news while I was driving. And shockingly, I got sad. I, I just, it, it did hit me. It surprised me how much it actually hit me. Because again, I have no personal feelings for that man. Uh, but then when all of the other news comes out and there's children on board and all that kind of stuff, then it's even, then, it, then it's just awful. And so uh, it, it hit me way more than I thought it would. And, and uh, you know, he will be missed, and, and there's all the, all the cliches you could say about his basketball experience, but, uh, you know, you just hope that his legacy lives on and, and that his wife and kids that are still around can move on and, and live some type of normal life without him in it. Yeah, it, it, was, a, it was a tough one when we talked that day because, uh, you, you know, when you compete again, and you just mentioned, too, that makes total sense. Like when you talk about Kevin Garnett, well, you got a chance to go play with him. So you guys had a chance to talk on a different level. We, you know, back then we never talked. I mean, there was a really disdain and dislike. So when I hear the way that I teach basketball now, Scotty, and the way that I digest the game and I look at it, that's how he does it. That's how he did it. What fascinated me is that's how he did it when he played against me, and I didn't even have a comprehension of that. I, I was getting there, but I didn't understand it at that level. And I'm thinking, wow, such a young person to understand and digest the game at that level. It made me sad because we would never get a chance to have those conversations. And that's probably what, what for me, hit me in that way. Yeah. All right. We're, we're out of time. Uh, we got oh, 40 man. minutes on this thing and we're out of time. So I would love to keep this conversation going, but thanks for tuning in to the purple talk podcast on NBC sports, California. Sorry. We had a little bit of technical difficulty there and didn't get to wrap up in the formal way with Doug Christie and Scott Pollard. Um, but thanks for tuning in. We're going to keep giving you more content like this. Uh, I'm glad we're starting to use video. And so you get to see us hanging out in our homes and doing our stuff. Um, But again, thanks for tuning in to the Purple Talk podcast on NBC Sports California. We'll see you very soon.